Welcome to season two, episode two of Not 97, a music platform built to pioneer rising musicians. We have a very special episode for you featuring illustrious percussionist and producer Stro Elliott, the newest member of The Roots, the hardest working band in the world. Today's episode pulls talents from London's diverse and ever-changing music scene, from a captivating acoustic track by singer-songwriter Hawk Baker to the jazz renderings of producer and DJ Eric Lau. Psych funk act Clark in the Community is discussed, along with a raw, menacing track from Northampton's Mal Devisa. The pop sensibility of bi-coastal R&B artist Davey is brought to the table, along with a sharp and playful conceptual song from California's Michael Sayer. Live from only New York, this is not a podcast, this is not a radio show, this is Not 97. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show. This is not 97, not a podcast, not a radio show. We're here in the Lower East Side at Only New York. I got the normal crew around the table. Dave Jones. Good evening. Rashad the Dow Wave God. Yep. And a very special guest is joining us this evening. The newest member of the hardest working band in the world, the legendary Roots crew, Mr. Stro Elliott. How's it going? Good. How are you? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Let us know a little about yourself. Wow. A little bit about myself. I'm an artist. Came up like a lot of musicians, kind of doing a little bit of everything. I spent most of my time in Los Angeles until three months ago. So a a new New York resident. I came up as as kind of a multi-instrumentalist. I played trumpet for a little bit as a young and moved over to percussion as I got older and keyboards and other different stuff. And people only want to see me play the Ableton push now. Which is not a bad thing. I'm having a lot of fun on that particular instrument. So yeah, life is good. I can't complain. And the latest solo record came out pretty recently, right? Yeah, I want to say sometime earlier this year, um, the solo record self-titled Stro Elliott through Street Corner Music came out earlier this year. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get it. We're going to go around the table, play some music, and talk about it. Normally, we intro the music before we play it. I don't want to intro this first person. I just want to play it and then talk about it, because I think the song really speaks for itself. Bold words. This guy. 26-year-old from East London, Hack Baker, Conundrum. Lovely. Well, I grew up in the land of the sinners Home of the great bold and the winners Oh, what I do to go back to winter Oh, five chicken chips for our dinner You drive about with your mates in the ringer You're selling weed to make your pocket money bigger The old biller always locking up my niggas The white boys nicking bites to make figures Growing up in East London Sunny East London Chucking eggs at the corner of the junction Junction, running from the old Billy and the junctions. No, we don't trust him. Yo, going up in East London on the corner, waiting for conundrums. Every day, every day was a laugh. The lads jumping in the dogs for a bath. All nighters in the blocks at the weekend. You live one, two cares about sleeping. We used to huddle because we didn't have eating. I left my mum's, I was tired of the beatings. We missed Tommy, all of us are still grieving. It can't wait till the day we re meet him. 
Jump on a train down the south end 25 young men all at their wits end We're all in it for the love of shenanigans In PRU units and anger management It was 40 pence for a bus Still the lads jump in the back when all falls We're jogging up to get changed To kick the football about in the cage oh, Growing up in East London Sunny East London Chucking eggs at the corner of the junctions the junctions running from the old billy and the junctions no we don't trust them boy they're growing up in east london on the corner waiting for conundrums see i grew up in the land of the sinners home of the brave bold and the winners oh what i do to go back to winter oh five chicken chips for our dinner you drive about with your mates in the ringer you're selling weed to make your pocket money bigger the old bill always locking up my niggas Got the lads sleeping on London pillars Baker. So that song came out five months ago. The artist has kind of under a thousand followers on SoundCloud and Twitter. On Spotify, that song though has about 93,000 plays. So it's been growing out there, but the guy has a story comes from East London, obviously, was in the Grime Collective Bomb Squad when he was a teenager, got in some trouble, went to prison, got out and picked up the guitar and started making folk music. But there's just something about that song coming from that context and having that sound that just struck me. Anytime any, you get like a voice in one instrument, whether it's guitar or piano, it only really works, at least for me if you kind of believe him. It's one thing to, to sing and have a pretty melody, but he's painting a very vivid picture. As soon as he, every time he says East London, like you're kind of imagining what East London looks like, even if you've never been there before. Yeah, it's very cool. I think that also goes toward the multicultural influence that his music in particular, and I find like my favorite part of a lot of young British musicians is like they draw from so many different elements. So he's a folk singer who's singing with just a guitar and his voice, but he has that strong visual lyricism that you get from hip hop. And there's also like the undertone of rock steady, the undertones of reggae in the way the guitar is bouncing and the way that he's singing that make you think of like early, early, early Bob Marley. And I think a lot of that's due to the BBC and just like kind of the way the British culture system set up and how people consume music in the UK. But it still astounds me, especially when it's done that well. Like I said on a previous episode too, it's like, it's just the context thing where like like Matt was saying, you never know what to expect. And you, you look at a book and you just never know. Like out of his story, you would have never expected him to even be making music that would sound like that necessarily. And I've never even been the East London so it's a whole nother like I don't know image and it's a whole nother sound to paint that picture it's, it's striking and, and it still feels so genuine and raw you can hear and believe his emotion and just so goddamn musical too I mean yeah. that, that chorus in particular and he makes you work for it but the background vocals at the very end yeah. that makes me smile every time I listen to it I just I just start grinning I just I can't help it yeah you can actually hear like what, what it, like a full like arrangement would sound like around him just mm -hmm. by with his placement of certain melodies and everything like it's yeah I wonder like where his musical education originated or if it's just like raw probably East London <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The radio yeah, yeah you're right alright we're on to the next one 
It's going to be your pick. Okay. We got Eric Lau. Uh, yeah, shout out to my man, Eric Lau. That's my brother. Eric is a great example of somebody who lives in London, but is of Chinese descent. He's probably one of the most soulful Chinese dudes I've ever met in my life. Probably even more so than me. Some of it comes from his, you know, just his natural vibe. But I think a lot of it is, you know, he, he grew up appreciating a lot of different cultures. It's definitely reflected in his music. He's very laid back. But he also, uh, he also came up with a lot of really great musicians, as well as also being influenced by one of the greatest beat makers of all time, Jay Dilla. Like he's like a student. From the moment I met him, I, I completely dug his vibe, but without realizing it, I had known his music for years. So this track is just kind of like, again, kind of the epitome of of, of Eric. I think it, it embodies him as, as a person and as a musician for sure. Okay. This is Eric Lau, The Best Good, A Message from Coltrane. Good that I can get to, and 
when I, as I, as I'm going there, becoming this, and uh, when I become, if I ever become, it, this will just come out of the home. So whatever it's going, whatever that's going to be, that's what it will be. I'm not in, so much interested in trying to say what it's going to be. I don't know, but I just hope they, I realize that good can only bring good. I I don't feel there's an answer to this. I think that uh, it's just. Uh, it, it, is, it is either thing that they, the person who doesn't understand, will understand in time, mm -hmm. upon repeated listenings, or it's a thing that he never will understand. Mm. And, uh, if, you know, that's the way it is. There are many things in life we don't understand. Right. <laughs> and we go on anyway. Yeah, like I said, that's Eric in a nutshell. I mean, even the even the quote at the end—that's his vibe. You know, he's he's not only a soulful person; he's a peaceful person. He's more of a unifier. Also, you know, to speak more specifically towards the sound, like Eric is like a big stickler for things that have this warm, great feeling. Like, all right, I'm gonna get a little douchey for a minute, you know, and drop a couple names. But, <laughs> Do it. Um, you know, we were in the studio. Um, we were in the studio at Jeff's crib, at Jazzy Jeff's crib. And um, we're there working with a bunch of, you know, different artists and people kind of in the vocal booth. And you, know, you got James Poyser on keys, Kaidi, uh, the homie Daniel Crawford, and, you know, some other people. You got a room full of, like, heavy hitters as well that were there. And he was, like, adamant about the fact that they were like, okay, yeah, let's put down this idea. I can't remember who it was, but they were already sitting at the controller keyboard about the latest idea. And, and Eric stops and he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, there's a real roads here. Let's pull out the real roads. And, you know, it was kind of some work to go in the other room to put that in. But he was, he like, we couldn't move on without plugging in the real road. So that's him kind of like in a nutshell, like he, the way he works. He wants things to not only sound right, but feel right. You could hear that work ethic. The thing that really jumped out to me was just how good of an arrangement it was. I mean, I was thinking of it more as like the architecture of it, but the way the piano line changes and, and comes back, the way the synths enter and come back, the way like the, the string pad enters and comes back. It keeps you engaged in a way that I think a lot of younger people making beat music don't keep you engaged. Like there's like a level of maturity and a very clear level of hard work that I think he was able to achieve with that. He's clearly not just guessing. Like it's everything has its place for a reason. You can you can tell he like purposefully put things where they were, even the way things fade out and you know yeah. and fade in. I know he's like primarily kind of known as a producer. Mm -hmm. Is it kind of rare for him to actually put together like a jazz track? To ask Eric, Eric might not even look at this as just a jazz track. Yeah. Like he might just, this just happens to be in this particular moment what his expression was and it just comes off sounding like jazz. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I love the idea of, of a producer creating jazz basically. Like yeah. more hip hop producers should be doing stuff like that because all the elements are there and they can create that. I think it's a level of confidence but it's also being a student. Like I said, he's a person that studies the music that he loves and you know, jazz probably being definitely one of them. First 997 producer on the show. I'm pretty sure. This is only this well, is the like first the only track. track. It's the that's first true, this yeah. is the first track we played with no vocals. Oh, word. Wow. Okay. That's, that's so, true. It's shout out to Eric. This is incredible. I'm a sucker for uh the interview quotes at the end always. Always especially on a track like this where it's just smooth. It just like fits perfectly. It's like almost you almost think it's him. It's like you almost <laughs> think he's about to talk, but Right. Yeah, I I know I can see, I can hear that everything is just Man, this is a crazy track yeah, for me. Word. Totally. I love it. Rashad. Here I go. Here I go. We're still in London. 
Yo. We're still in London. London getting a lot of shine today. London is getting love a it. lot of love. We got Southeast London. We got my boy Puma Blue, and the track is Want Me. I'll talk more about it after we play. Yes, I go. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Puma Blue is relatively unknown right now in terms of followers. He has about 3,000 followers on SoundCloud, um, 800 on Twitter, and then like another 1,100 on Instagram. On the SoundCloud, he only has like three songs up, but he's still independent. He's been working for a while, it seems like, in terms of his artistry, in terms of like getting to the point where he can actually book. I just really was attracted to the emotion of that song, and it's just like... But that vocal, though, man. That vocal is strong, and then you come in with the sax mm. at the end. Yo, we get so giddy for horn solos. Ooh. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Every time. It never fails. I don't know, man. It's just like, again, we're talking about London and and uh, just the artistry there and the emotion there. Like, they, they got something to say. Like The voice is contagious. He has the falsetto and then also goes a little deeper and kind of... The voice is definitely what got me. That was like hook, line, and sinker for me on that one. It's just the the way he's delivering, the way he's like kind of emoting. And I think it really blends in well with how he produced it where that lo-fi quality almost lends it toward a kind of a, a new spin on an old vocal style, which I was all about. I didn't realize this was going to become the, the love letter to London. Look at the last three artists we listened to from London and they're all very different from each other. And he's, again, the thing that's dope though is that, I mean, they're all very genuine. You don't get an ounce of insincerity from his delivery and the way the music is arranged like this is definitely at least the vibe he was in at the moment and he painted it with you know with the best brushes and yeah it's fitting that I mean I'm, I'm looking at the page and seeing that he who he's opening for Reiki. Reiki. is it Reiki yeah, okay he's I've, dope. I've been mispronouncing it for years but it makes perfect sense that mm-hmm. he'd be on mm-hmm. the road with him you know because he's another artist that kind of has that sincerity in his delivery he's in great company and oh, I yeah. think there's a reason for that you know what I mean like you you know real recognize real in a way he probably heard this song and was like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on the road with it, me for a little bit. Like I said, it's like he doesn't really even have like a lot of content out either. It's like he's really, he's been working basically. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a concentrated effort at this point. Yeah, so. this, is, this is the moment. that This is the, the yeah. encapsulation of, of these last this few years the for Monster This is the keep watch moment. Yeah, yes. for, for real. Blue. All right, Dave, Dave, you up next. All right, we're leaving London. Whew, back in the sun. It's been a good trip. Yeah, it was, it was a nice good. That was dreary. good, guys. Headed back to the United States. I've got Davey, D-A-V-I-E, real name James David Treadwell, and his song, Walk That Walk. Davey is a New Jersey native, subshot. However, he's now LA-based, substro. He produces and writes and performs, comes from a musical family. His grandma uh, was Jeannie Harris, who had a pretty big hit back in the day, the song called Bye Bye Elvis. His pops is a preacher. His mom's a dancer. So the kid is steeped in music. On SoundCloud, it's still super low. It's only gotten 153 plays in 29 days, and that's off 8,500 Twitter followers. So there's still room to grow. Let's listen to it and break it down afterwards. Once again, the artist, Davey, the song Walk That Walk.
I had a, a, a one degree separation incident with Rick Rubin recently. So that makes me want to go back and listen to a ton of old Rick Rubin music and Rick Rubin produced music. And then I kind of came across this Davy song and played it for the first time and knew I really liked it, but didn't really understand why. And then was like kind of putting it through my Rick Rubin brain filter, like trying to think like how he would think. And to me, this is a really good example of like how Rick Rubin would come onto an R&B song, I thought. Like, I usually don't love music or, and especially R&B that's this clean, but I love how minimal it is, like how few pieces are there are. It's like drums, bass, guitar, and like a couple keyboards. Everything has its place. Nothing is overplaying. Nothing is overshadowing the vocal. Everything kind of just shines and works together and is subservient of a great song and an even better melody and even better voice. And, and me, even down to the arrangement of it, like, like to the point to where I was so locked in to what had been established that I almost wasn't ready for the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, the, yeah. the bridge comes in, and you're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> bridge time. <laughs> it's time for a bridge and, and a real bridge. It wasn't just like, let's turn everything else now and just have drums. And it's funny, like, listening to, the, listening to that, like, I'm, I'm imagining what somebody might sound like if they moved from New Jersey to LA. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very that's accurate. accurate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, down to like keep my name out your mouth seems very New Jersey, yeah. and then the vibe of the track is very, very mellow, very somebody who just discovered the beach. So, right. yeah. 
It's like living in New York. You just discover a beach when you move out to LA and then you make a song like this. I think that emotion is part of what I like about it, which is the pop elements are pretty strong in there but don't take over the track, and it could, that chorus could really build even more and blow up. And it restrains itself back and maintains a little bit of grit and soul into it, which I really appreciate. I think right now a lot of artists are trying to balance that line, and some do it better than others, and he's he's really like, it's sharp. I mean, it's the continual theme of the night that you, if you have good delivery, don't obscure it. Yeah. It's like have everything else and have the production serve the song and have the production especially serve the vocal style. Yeah. I mean, like in a pop song, like you're talking about that bridge in a pop song, I don't think the artist would ask for the patience that goes along with that bridge. Which yeah. could be the only thing that's probably, well, maybe not the only thing, but the thing that's really him. Maybe that bridge is the only thing he, he brought with him from New Jersey. <laughs> and then, like, yeah. A lot of bridges. Yeah, and then everything else, and then everything else was was what he's learned, or at least what he's been inspired by. That's like advice to like uh, up and coming artists. You should like experience other places because you never know mm-hmm. where your music and can go. It. Yeah. yeah, you never know. I see like it's like a very heavy funk influence which is like a new jersey i always reference george clinton whenever someone's from jersey it's from jersey know. though but <laughs> yeah i always see funk and then like because of la like you guys are saying like he kind of brings that funk vibe and then almost commercializes it but then includes like this the bridge and then like the grittiness and but it's almost still it's still pop in a totally. way it's still commercial totally. in a way and it's like Perfect. That's that's you. I'm going to I'm going to take it away from the pop train a little bit. This is Maldiviza. Her real name is Deja Carr. She is, grew up in the Bronx. Uh, she right now lives in Northampton in Massachusetts. Shout out Northampton, shout out Massachusetts, shout out Western Mass, shout out Pioneer Valley. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Shout <laughs> This is Maldivisa. She's uh, relatively low, but has gotten looks, you know, like a thousand on SoundCloud, 500 on Twitter, but this song premiered on Pitchfork. People know her in the industry. She's yet to really uh, stretch out beyond that. This song is called Crowd Pleaser, Maldivisa.
Pleaser, Matt no. Visa, produced by Tony Seltzer. So before we get into how incredible that track is, let me give a little background on her. In April, she was doing shows. She was hospitalized, canceled a bunch of shows. This song, I guess, was a little bit of a comeback for her. She played a few shows in New York City this month and reappeared after that hiccup or whatever it was. It was like we were about to send in our picks for this episode. I'm on SoundCloud. I just randomly come up on Lukabop. Luakabop. Like a bop. Luakabop. The label from David. Yeah, there you go. This the, is just skip it. The label. <laughs> the label from David Byrne. So I come upon their page and they had just reposted the song and I hear it. And immediately I was like, yep, there we go. The raw energy in this song just like blew me away. Who produces again? Tony Seltzer. So he produced a lot of Wiki's last record, No okay. Mountains in Manhattan. Okay. It um you know we hate these comparisons. I'm I'm gonna make one in a minute, so make the comparison. It gave me MIA uh somehow. That's the beat though. It might just be the beat. It might not be the flow. Okay, on, on the topic of the beat and talk, I'm, talk I'm, about I'm, the beat. I'm curious talk about how this beat. discussion was strong in the room actually. When I first heard this, this sounded a lot like an Adrian Young beat to me, especially with the drums and that snare tone. Interesting. Interesting. I felt, and I got, uh, that's not to say that like it was, he was getting bitten, but yeah. that was to me like he was so singular and like he had such a sound that was so unachievable if you weren't Adrian Young and you weren't sure. playing drums as Adrian Young. And to see his style kind of starting to influence 
other producers, I sure. thought was like pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, definitely from the aesthetic of it. Yeah, I could see, I could see the Adrian. I'm always grateful with somebody that has a unique voice, even if they're not the greatest singer. Like, I mean, people with unique voices always intrigue me. But she actually can sing. It's what she does with her voice that's yeah. that's yeah. really incredible. Like, there's a lot of emotion there. It's not to make comparisons anymore. It's kind of similar to the vibe that I get from like uh, from Tune Yards. Mm. It's like mm. you know, she's a person that does a lot with 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 just the character of her voice. Could you explain to me what what? Because I know nothing about Northampton. Like, it, this, is anything Northampton about this particular? It's a artsy, uh, super small town, super disconnected from any major creative scene. It's near the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. It's near Smith College and Hampshire College and like a bunch of other kind of small liberal arts schools. So there's like a little bit of music going on, but there's no defined Northampton sound or like Northampton scene. And that's like what's amazing because I find that a lot of times what you have is when you when you hear an artist like this and who's able to emote as well as they are, it's 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 coming from this place where you literally I won't say she has no outlet, but it sounds like she has little outlet. So it's when you get the opportunity to to emote and and to express yourself, you make the most of it in, in every opportunity. And you can definitely hear that in this song that she's like, she's like, okay, I'm gonna sing the song and I'm gonna give it everything I have. There's clearly something that like has been building inside her. That's what I mean. That this yeah. song had yeah. to release, which I think happens a lot from artists from little scenes, especially because you feel like no one's listening to you. We talked about this last episode, I think, or the last one we recorded. It was it was basically the same thing. It's just like a small town artist. They always try to put their all into every track because it's like you never know which track someone's going to listen to. Everything about that song is unapologetic and, and powerful. What a track. Awesome. Yep. What we got next? Uh, my second is uh, from an artist called Clark and the Community. It's funny. Like, there was two different names, I think, for the track. Like, the first time I heard this track... Uh, it was like Dahmer's Boy? Well, that's what it. That's what it's called now. But I, uh, the first time I heard it, I thought it was called... I thought it was... You know, yeah, it's there. It's, it's solo, so, yeah. solo on Sunday. So I was looking for it when I was looking. I was like, where is Solo on Sunday? And then I was thumbing through the tracks and Dahmer's Boy popped up, which I think is what he calls it now. I think he's recently now affiliated with Stone Throw, which is great. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and I think he probably, I don't know if that's why he changed the title. I don't know why you would change it from Solo on Sunday to Dahmer's Boy once you hear the track. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'll speak more on, on him after, after we listen to it. But uh, yeah, this is Clark in the community. Solo on Sunday or Dahmer's Boy? Oh, how wonderful did I get here with 
to us what we just heard <laughs> well first of all, let me tell you how i found him i have a friend in la named swarvy he's a dope producer literally one of the first times i met swarvy we were on our way to nam uh with 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 the brother house shoes which was an adventure in itself in his car ride he's he, we're just kind of talking music and i expressed how much i missed georgia ann Muldrew's early music musina's early stuff and kind of the rawness of of what it was with also this like very avant-garde approach to stacking harmonies and background vocals and whatnot and he just starts playing 
this guy, like he happened, I think he was mixing his record. I don't think in none of this stuff, but some earlier stuff or maybe some stuff that never came out. And I remember listening to it and just kind of sat there in the car the whole time with just kind of like looking at the window like, what is this? It was kind of that same reaction. There was nothing out on him at the time. I don't even think he had music on SoundCloud at the time. It was literally something I heard. So as soon as he started posting things on SoundCloud, yeah, like I immediately, you know, just started trying to check out everything. He would eventually start releasing these things. So on this particular project that in which this song is released there's actually a couple songs on this album that were some of the songs that I heard years ago like so he decided to release some of these early demos probably for the same reason but are they I, a full band? it's just one dude yeah it's one That's dude crazy. like because I remember I've shouted him out a couple times on yeah. Twitter and whatnot, and he responded to me saying oh no I'm only one person because yeah. his name is Clark in the community right so naturally you would think okay this is at least there's you know, Clark and then there's the community and then there's the community you listen to you know like what he's doing you know harmonically what is the, the thing and, I, and I'm almost cheating because I almost got two artists in and one in the fact that the, what he's singing over is either a chopped up version or if not maybe a slowed down version of a of uh, DJ Harrison's uh, uh, music, uh, Devin Harris, who I'm also a huge fan of. He's from Virginia, though. Um, I want to say that Clark was maybe based out here. I know he now lives in Los Angeles, but for some reason, I thought he was he was from out east or something like that initially. Again, I, I really appreciate his ideas. He's a person that sticks to his lo-fi-ness. Like, he likes yeah. things to be sort of, like, sort of dirty and lo-fi, but I'm always a fan of somebody who writes from a new perspective. I mean, if you, if, if you couldn't comprehend what the lyrics were, he's basically writing from the standpoint of somebody, one of Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer's victims, and in the moment that he realized that he probably was going to die. How the fuck did I get here with you, oh, oh Satan. Satan? And then he goes on to say that he was supposed to sing a solo on Sunday in church. <laughs> Yo, so he's, it's, yeah. it's wild. I mean, it, 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 I listened to it a few times in the last few days since you sent it, and it really took me into like last night, like 1230, like listening to it in my headphones in my room, just like getting into that like nightmarish mindset yeah. and just being like, damn, this is like, this is wild. It's like function. what? It's, yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. And to it's think theatrical. It's mm-hmm. super theatrical. Yeah. And, and some of that is embodied in the music as well and the arrangement of it. He has the, the screaming and the yelling that comes in sporadically. And even if you don't even contemplate that, the song, the way for me, like the way it's cutting in and out of that harmony creates this kind of space where there's a comfort in the harmony but it keeps going away every time you hear it and you're ready to reach for that comfort yeah it gets pulled away from you well even so there's a there's a point in, in the beginning right before the screams because he's very great at creating this great stacked harmonies against even some of the most simple like sort of like chord structures and he does it in this moment and it's like oh that's really beautiful and then the screaming comes in and you're like okay Right, back we're out. back. Yeah. yeah, we're back. So he paints it so well. Like this song, he's got a lot of other works that I absolutely love. And most of them are, are funny enough, like a minute to like two minutes long. This yeah. is probably one of his longer works. This one, I think, sort of embodied, I think, what I what I so appreciate about him, you know, and, you know, in the fact that he was talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, who was, you know, from the city I was born in. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Everyone's got their opinions about the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. Some of the people I know went to school with him and, you know, they have all their stories, but people also have their jokes about him you know what I mean and so you know there was a part of me that laughed when I heard it but it was immediately kind of intrigued from his perspective you know of of, you know writing from the victim's standpoint and what they might have been thinking so as an artist outside of music it's always like fresh to hear artists in music 
that treat it as art. That's how I feel about listening to this. It's like everything that you just explained is like what would put music into the art category in terms of like concept and construction and like just just raw emotion from the from the listener. This is like a song where it's like if you really listen to it. Ten times you're gonna get you're gonna get a different emotion. You're gonna get the emotion that you need, and and that's that's what art really is at the end of the day. So Rashad, I support. Segway. Segway to your <laughs> conceptual musician. Right. So here's my boy Michael Sayer from uh, California, from Gardenia. Um, he's pretty low. He's getting he's he's buzzing on 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 SoundCloud because his songs are just fire, mm. honestly. Yeah, he's a kid. He's definitely a younger guy and like so this is Michael Sayer making chit chat with a stranger at a dinner party.
I like I said earlier in the show, I love the stereotypical little background vocals or like a quote or like a interview. But this guy actually had like sound effects from Yo, a, a, a dinner. It's a scene. It's a scene from a dinner. Like he literally created a scene out of the song. And, you know, it's like this mouthful of a title. But it's again what I was saying just before this. Like he's one of these artists that actually treated as art like he's like all right i'm gonna make a scenario and then make a song surrounding the scenario and then he's young he's another uh lead vocalist slash guitarist he has a band behind him too but um yeah man i just kind of fell in love with it and it's just it was just authentic again even it's not emotional it's just real it's just like yo i'm really having it's a song about the concept it's a song about what i'm talking about you know i love that it's called making chit chat with a stranger at a dinner party and it's like that in full effect it's a fun goofy song but clearly he's musical and can conceptualize his thoughts yeah. he can actually put it into a piece but he also has just this whimsical yeah, aesthetic whimsical, yeah. about him like he's like i'm just doing me like i'm just making music because i can but we're just talking about emotion all night so this is like one of those things you find that niche and you stay in it it's interesting too like the arrangement of it like i don't know if it was intentional or not because we've all been in those situations before where you're kind of maybe at a party where you don't really know anyone mm -hmm. and you're just trying to have any kind of conversation and it's like pulling teeth to like, you know, whatever. But there's a moment in the beginning where you're like, is he going to sing? Yeah. Yo, yeah. Is he going yeah. yeah. to say anything? And it's funny because that's like in, like a direct emotion of being at a part where you're like, you may be talking about somebody and you'll, yeah. you'll make, make a comment and you're like, did they like that? Do they hate me now? <laughs> right. Are they going away? Like what's no, happening? But, pause. No, yeah. And to me, it's like, it's the standing around in the dinner party. Absolutely. Like, who, who do I talk? You know, it's like, it, it's building that. Yeah. Or you're the one person that says something awkward that nobody responds to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that. And, it, and you hear it build up. It's like by instrument. You're like building up the moxie to like talk to someone. You're just like, right. all right, like I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he's just adding a layer and a layer. It's smart. It's, yeah. I, I'm with what y'all have been saying. I like the contrast between the elements building and the sound of the dinner party fading away as you kind of like focus in on the song and focus on the arrangement and focus in on, on the feeling and the sentiment. I thought that was really well done. It's it's definitely something that's like a little left field even for my taste, but I definitely appreciate how Why? all these things kind of balance out. What's the left field? Yeah, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Break it down, Dave. Honestly, I don't think it's that left field. Like there, there's a there's a level of commitment that he's asking for from a first time listener that I'm not used to giving. That's I would fair. say that there there is a reward in being engaged through the end of it because you get to understand how you go from like this kind of abstract thought into a very focused one into a focused song. Dave, speaking of the left field, speaking of the left field, where are you bringing us? To the left coast of San Francisco, actually. Oh, yeah. So um, we're at Cali, London all day. Yeah. We're, well, yeah. We're Cali, London all day. All and day. Northampton. Shout out to Northampton. And again. the random Northampton. We're going to San Francisco. We're meeting up with Dinah Maccabee. She's a session violinist and violist who also sings. Uh, she's also a product of East Coast education. She went to Wesleyan. She got her master's in composition there. Shout out to Wesleyan. Shout out to Wesley Ying. This song has a super interesting folk influence to it that I'm really excited to break down after we listen to it. Um, it's been out for one month. And in that month, off of 357 Twitter followers, has gotten 501 plays. Definitely way farther left than any of my usual picks. But here it is one more time. The artist Dinah Maccabee, the song Push Me. 
Dinah left, McAbee. left field. Left field because it's so traditional. I've had to listen to a lot of traditional North Atlantic folk music over the last like five to seven years, which is something that I do not talk about a lot. But this song to me is a really intriguing example of how a younger artist is using the North Atlantic folk music tradition and applying it to a modern uh, style. So she's taking fiddle and viola, two very traditional instruments. She's taking traditional techniques of, of playing these instruments in, in these like very repetitive lines of melody with these, these kind of two note harmonies and she's flipping it on its head and like putting a modern spin on it. She's using a looper pedal. She's singing over it. She's adding layers as, as things go along in the arrangement. And on top of all that, she has such a wonderfully engaging voice that it, it between that and the super interesting, at least to me, things that she's doing on her instrument live, like right in front of her, really, really keep you engaged. And I, I love the track. I, th I think it's a, a really darling example of how to use this type of musical influence in the, the modern era. It's interesting. I found myself doing the same thing that I do when I listen to you. Are you familiar with Philip Glass's music? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it reminded me of that a lot where it was like, you have this very kind of repetitive ostinato phrase going and it works so well that you have just, I mean, her voice, she just has a very pure voice. You can't necessarily pick her out from a crowd in terms of in terms of her tone but what she's doing over it is great because you you already have that thing that's which you know a, a lot of times in, in music you listen to like like Fela Kuti's music for example and or even just you know your average kind of disco track the thing that makes those things infectious is there is something that's repeating that's getting repeated over and over again but the repetition sometimes of it you've all seen it at a party where you see a person there and all of a sudden you know you get that head nod starting going next thing you know they're dancing it's hypnotizing yeah it's you really get this hypnotizing. hypnotizing thing that happens that sort of you know that sort of grows on you. The thing that's great about her is that she doesn't just end there. She could have just let that keep going and maybe just repeated a couple phrases, but she builds on it like we're creating these harmonies of what she's doing, these great kind of like overlapping moments that kind of build on top of this repeating thing that creates something very different. I can say I don't think I've ever heard anything like that before. And mm -mm. Yeah, Definitely yeah. not. Mm -mm. It's an exciting song. It is, you know, using violin. The, don't, don't be afraid to say fiddle. Fiddle. Get, fiddle. Your, fiddle. Get your fiddle game Get up, your, son. Fiddle, fiddle up, game but up. It's, it's grand. It, it also feels kind of like cinematic. Like it, yeah. it yeah. feels... Like that is the opening of a movie. Sequence. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Uh, Running through the fields in Ireland. No, honestly, like I never thought I would say that is like a fiddle workout song. Like, <laughs> okay, like, I want to. <laughs> run. Right. I'm listening to it last night, and I'm like, I'm well, ready to move. Well, like, I think I think like though that kind of string has kind of got elevated into this like regal like movie cinematic thing where it's rarely used in like just straight up. Uh, this yeah, is the people's okay. strings. Yeah, it's like it used to be those strings were like reserved for like movies or something similar to that as opposed to like an actual It's a, a reclamation for sure. It's like yeah. she can she could fuck around with all her friends and make interesting music and she could do all that without playing guitar or without playing keys. Like she could do that on her native instrument and still have something to say and still have a voice. Which is the fiddle. Which is the fiddle. Mm -hmm. all right. There it is. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Wrapped it up. 997 wow. season two. Let's get it. Episode two. Episode two. Stro Elliott. The legend. The wave god. You. I'm here. Dave Jones. Hello. Let's break it down. What we listen to today, Matt. All right, let's go around. We started off with Hawk Baker, Conundrum in East London. Stayed in London for Eric Lau, The Best Good, a message from Coltrane. Kept it across the pond with Puma Blue, the song Want Me. 
Then we brought it back to Davey, Walk That Walk. Went to Northampton, Crowd Pleaser by Mal Deviza. Clark and the Community. Then we played solo on a Sunday, Dahmer's Boy. And then making chit chat with a stranger at a dinner party by Michael Sayer. And finished off with Dina Maccabee push me stro once again thank you so much for your time thank you for your fun. taste for your of appreciations for coming through thank you so much i mean yeah it was it was absolutely fun good work everyone <laughs>